We're looking at Matthew chapter 12. We're starting in uh, verse 22, and uh, the passage we're going to be looking at is printed for you in the bulletin, or if you have a Bible, you can follow along as well. And this is uh, the word of the Lord. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for your teaching to us, and especially that your words have been preserved for us in the scriptures, Um, these words that are infallible and trustworthy. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would now give us hearts to embrace your words to us with faith and repentance, and that you would lead us now uh, to rest in the grace that we have um, in you. And I may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Send us your spirit now as we look at your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, we're looking at really a, a fascinating passage this week. That I, th- There's a number of ways we could have gone with this passage, a number of things that we could have talked about, and there may be questions that you have from this passage that I don't address. If that's the case, feel free to come and talk to me after or talk with each other after and say, hey, what what does this part of this passage mean? But um, I decided that what I wanted to address today is just the topic of spirituality in general. And, uh, you know, I think for most of us living in a place like Bellingham or Whatcom County, um, the majority of people around us tend to be pretty suspicious of Christianity in general, uh, the Bible, Jesus, uh, and especially institutional religion. Uh, deep questions about, is this really helpful for humanity? Is it really helpful for communities? Is it helpful for people? Is it even true? 
And, uh, and yet, at the same time, in, uh, in a place like our community, most people would call themselves deeply spiritual people. I, I would say, if you took a survey, most people would say they are spiritual people. And I think actually a lot of people uh, are, are very hungry to learn about spirituality, uh, to think about the transcendent, you know, what's beyond, you know, what's the meaning of my life? Why are we here? Uh, to learn about their souls, their hearts. And uh, these are the questions that a lot of people have. And um, what we have in this passage is we get to listen in on a discussion, an argument really, that Jesus is having with the religious leaders of his community. And it's about the spirit world, the unseen part of the reality that we're living in. You know, it talks about the Holy Spirit and demons and the kingdom of God. And probably the first thing that we realize when we read a passage like this out loud is how alien the worldview uh, of the Bible is to kind of the worldview that we have in our culture as modern people, as postmodern people. Um, it's so strange to us. It's so alien. It seems so kind of barbaric in, you know, in, a, in an ancient uh, time, of an unenlightened time where people believe in things like Satan, like there's this personal... A being that is actively working against humans to try to destroy them, and we think that's so strange. Um, but I'll tell you, one of the reasons that a passage like this is, is so valuable, to have some, a, a book that is outside of our culture teaching us about the spiritual world is because when you're only hearing things inside your culture, just the air that you live in, you become blind to certain assumptions that you make that you think are completely obvious, but are actually... Unfounded. There, there's no logic or reason. It's just the the way we the way we think. And so to have someone speak from outside of our culture into our culture, it is like a mirror for us, and shows us what our assumptions are. And uh, we'll find that uh, I, I think that it, it has some really challenging things to say to us. And in particular, I want to highlight two things that I think are foreign to us as kind of modern postmodern people as we think about spirituality. And these are the two things. First of all, spiritual realities can be either good or evil. Spiritual realities can be either good or evil. They are not, in general, we think of spirituality as primarily a good thing. Actually, almost always a good thing. But this passage says spirituality is not always good. It's good or evil. Second, the true spirituality is only found in the kingdom of God. And that's me. I think both these statements are fairly controversial. Uh, but uh, spiritual realities can be either good or evil. And second, the true spirituality is only found in the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at these two truths uh, together this morning. So, first, spiritual realities can be either good or evil. I'm going to spend a little time on this. Because um, here in this passage... Uh, Jesus is having this discussion with the Pharisees, who are the you know the religious leaders of in in his day and in his community, and uh, uh, Jesus has just performed a miracle. There was a man who was demon oppressed, who uh, was blind and mute, and he healed him. And in verse twenty four, this is what it says: But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, "It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons." Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Now, uh, 
what Jesus is arguing here is Jesus performed a miracle and they said the only reason you're able to do this miracle is because you're evil and you're working with the devil and the devil's enabling you to do that. And what Jesus is saying is actually that the purpose of his miracles are there to validate who he is. That he is the Messiah, he's the Son of God, he's the Savior of the world, and that we should believe in him because he has authority over God's creation. But you know, one of the things that... Um, just basic things about this exchange that Jesus is having with the, the Pharisees is um, even though they're at odds with each other, there is one thing that they agree upon that's kind of assumed uh, is um, that there is this unseen spiritual reality in the world around them. Um, and it's a reality of both agents of light and the kingdom of God and also agents of darkness and uh, demons and uh, dark forces and this is an assumption that uh, Jesus' whole worldview was that humanity is living under the dominion of this a dark lord that the Bible calls Satan. Jesus, that's Jesus' that's Jesus' worldview. And, uh, you know, Jesus is someone that we should take seriously and we should take honestly. And as modern people, that, that's an amazing thing, that that's how he views the world, that all of humanity is living under this darkness. And in another place, he calls Satan the prince of this world. And uh, that Satan has humanity in a kind of spiritual oppression. And so what that means is that his whole calling as the Son of God, the whole reason that he has come, that Jesus is God's uh, God become a man, the reason he has come is to free the world from this oppression, to liberate the world from the oppression of, of the Dark Lord. And this is what he says, verse 29, look at what he says. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. And what Jesus is saying is we're all living in this house and the master of the house is this evil one. And Jesus has come and bound him and defeated him to liberate us and to give us, give us new life. Now, uh, you know, one thing to say, I, now if you're a Christian, many of you say, what's the big deal? I've heard that my whole life. That sounds very plain. Most people in our culture would say, uh, that, that is completely, that, that is an ancient, medieval, barbaric, dark view of the world. And yet one of the things that we have to do is, is, is ask ourselves, is that an unreasonable assessment of humanity? That humanity is living under a dark oppression, a spiritual oppression. Is that an unrealistic, an illogical assessment of humanity? I don't think it is at all. I think it makes quite a lot of sense. Is, um, as you, Jesus' worldview is very logical. And um, whether you're looking at uh, ethnic groups who are warring against each other, and are gripped in, in a revenge and violence against each other, you say there is a spiritual force at work there that has them in their grips that they just can't say no to. They're locked into. Or if it's, you know, a depressed teenager at Bellingham High School who feels locked under a darkness, a perfectly reasonable explanation of that is that there is a spiritual oppression that humanity is living under that we can't free ourselves from. And, um, you know, and someone might say that, uh, and, and so that's to say that spiritual realities are both good and evil. There are evil, dark spiritual realities around us. Now, someone might say, you know, the problem with that, and the problem with that, you know, in, back in the Middle Ages, 
is that uh, when people believed that there were demons around, there were people that were demon-possessed who were you know, mentally ill or they were sick, and you say, well, they had a demon and they're trying to exercise the demons, is they ended up hurting people. And if we believe that the, the thing that's wrong with people is that they have a demon in them, we're actually going to, we could do a real damage to them when really all they need is, you know, some medical care. Maybe they need some counseling. Maybe that's all they need. And, um, but I'll tell you, the problem with that view, that there's no spiritual forces that are causing our problems, causing our, 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 our sense of oppression and feeling trapped, um, is um, because the human person is far more complex than that. And actually, if we think that the Bible's view is very simplistic, actually, a modern view of, of the human person is far more simplistic. To say that there are scientific answers to all of a people, person's problems or medical answers to all of a person's problems is terribly simplistic. Because, you know, if someone is depressed... Why are they depressed? If you only prescribe a medical answer to that, you're going to overlook there's all kinds of social problems that cause us to be depressed. Maybe we're lonely. Maybe we had a, a, a hard childhood that has caused us to be depressed. Maybe it's we live in Bellingham and it's March and we're vitamin D deficient and we need just someone to hand us some vitamin D. Maybe, maybe there's an evil one who is speaking lies to us, discouraging us, putting guilt upon us. As you t that's the Bible's view, is this complex view. Jesus did not say that everyone's problems were only demon possession. He says there's people who had physical problems. He's pe there's people who had social problems. There's people who had spiritual problems. He had a, a nuanced, complex view of the human person. And that's what the Bible says about us, is that we're complex. And there's a lot of reasons that we have problems, and we should account for them all. And one of them is dark spiritual realities that we need to be protected against. We need to be protected. We need liberation against, okay? So we live in a complex physical and spiritual universe, and therefore spiritual realities are complex, both good and evil. And now there's another error, which I mentioned earlier, about kind of spirituality that our culture makes. Maybe on the one hand we, don't, we just completely ignore spiritual realities altogether, or we assume that all spiritual realities are good, that they are good. And, you know, I don't think I have ever heard someone say, oh, you know, this person, they are a very spiritual person. I don't think I've ever heard that be a negative statement, that someone is a spiritual person. If you're a spiritual person, it's always good, right? And we assume that if you are getting into any kind of spirituality, it's probably health, healthy for you. It's probably helpful for you. It's always a positive thing. Um, but... The reality is that oftentimes when, when uh, people in our culture say, or when we say, I'm going to be following the spiritual um, impressions, uh, impulses, the spiritual impulses that I'm sensing around me or within myself, it often gives us license to do whatever we want, right? I mean, you know, a classic example is how, is how many people have said to their spouse, I'm not in love with you anymore. I need to be true to myself. And so see you later. And, uh, and abandon people, and they think that they are doing something that's noble, something that's courageous. They are following a spiritual reality. They're being spiritually true to themselves, and actually they're being deeply selfish, um, deeply destructive. And we think that all spiritual things are good, and that's not always true. The Bible tells us that the evil one, this Satan, 
comes to us as an angel of light. He always appears to be filled with goodness, and yet he is not. He's deceiving us. And that's often why our most selfish, our most foolish spiritual decisions often appear to us to be very clear, noble, and courageous. And uh, spiritual realities can be either good or evil. And, you know, I'll tell you a really great illustration of this in, uh, in our culture right now is I know many of you have probably seen the movie Frozen, which uh, I had to use Frozen as an illustration at least once in a sermon. Uh, this is a... Uh, this is actually the first movie that both the first time I saw it and the second time I saw it, I cried. And so if you've not seen Frozen, I highly recommend it. And, uh, and I'll tell you what's so interesting, you know, it kind of breaks all the norms of Disney movies. And if you don't know the story about Frozen, it's about this kingdom where there's uh, these two sisters who are growing up as princesses in this uh, kingdom. And one of them has these magic powers where she can like just make snow come out of her hands and ice and she can make all these beautiful things. And it turns out when they're young playing together, she uses her magic powers and almost kills her sister. And so her parents lock her up in a room and say, well, you can't do anything. You're too dangerous. You know, you just, we have to make all these rules to make sure that you don't hurt anyone. And so later in the movie, uh, there's this scene where she decides to kind of break out and say, you know what, I'm, I, I can't be locked up anymore. And I need to break free in kind of the, the song that every little girl in America knows is this song, Let It Go, where she sings about her liberation. And uh, the, let me just read to you some of the words. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. It's funny how some distance makes everything seem small and the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Uh, you, you want me to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. Uh, I'm tempted to. It's hard to read it, but... Um, this song, it's incredible. It's, it's incredibly powerful. And it's actually, it, it is just an anthem of our culture. Let it go. Be free. Be true to yourself. But, um, and, it, and it's incredibly inspiring as she sings this song. But what's so amazing about this movie is that as she sings this song of liberation, she's cursing her whole kingdom. And the whole kingdom, is, is, it's incredibly destructive. And she's isolating herself from the people she loves. And eventually she almost kills her sister again. And if there's one moral to Frozen is that letting go does not work. Being true to your spiritual self does not work. And actually, it can be extremely destructive. And exactly what we celebrate as noble, courageous spirituality can actually, be, can actually be damage, do damage to you and damage to other people. And, uh, and the reason for this is because our souls, the spiritual part of us, it's not just true that there's spiritual realities outside of us that are dark, but the spiritual realities inside of us are dark and evil as well. And this is exactly what Jesus says. Uh, look at verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? He's talking to moral, religious people in his community, and he calls them evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, 
And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. And what Jesus says, listen, is there a spiritual reality to you? Is it, do you have a soul? Yes. But is your soul just a well of goodness that you just need to let it go? Be careful, he says. Be careful what comes out. You might be scared what comes out. And other people might be hurt by what comes out. And our culture takes it for granted that uh, my heart and my soul are, are good no matter what. And the Bible tells us that we are deceiving ourselves. Listen to Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So to be spiritual can either be a good thing or it can be an evil thing. And until we understand that, until we understand that there are spiritual realities outside of us that we need protection from and spiritual realities inside of us that we need to be aware of and that we need to be saved from and rescued from as well, we can't even begin to understand the spirituality that the Bible teaches us about and that Jesus introduces us to. Okay? And I, you know, I should say, by the way... Uh, how do, the, the girl in, in the movie who, who has the magic powers, her name is Elsa. And when she wants to let it go, she does not find her salvation. She finds she's even more lost. And actually, the great thing about the movie is how does, how does she find her salvation? Sacrificial love. Someone has to die for her and be raised. And there's this, you got to go watch it. you got to watch it <laughs> if you haven't seen it. All right, I'll leave it there. She needs a savior, all right? So go, go, watch, go watch Frozen ten times uh, this week. All right, so the first truth is uh, that spiritualities are both good and evil. But the second thing we see in this passage is that true spirituality is only found in the kingdom of God. True spirituality is only found in the kingdom of God. And um, you can see that this whole scene, this whole... Uh, discussion, argument that we're listening in on in this passage is a controversy about the kingdom of God. Look at what uh, Jesus says in verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come. And the question is, how do I know that my spirituality, my spiritual quest, my spiritual pursuits are part of the kingdom of God or a part of the kingdom of darkness? How can I tell? If, they, if Satan comes as an angel of light, how can I determine which, which way am I going? And two questions that we need to ask. The first is, this, this passage says, is how do you view Jesus? How do you view Jesus? If, you're, if true spirituality is only found in the kingdom of God, then you need to ask, well, what do I think of the king? If it's about a kingdom, then there's a king, and Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. And we have to ask ourselves, what do I think of him? This is what 1 John chapter 4 says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You hear that? Test the spirits. Don't just assume anything spiritual is from God and is good. It may lead you to destruction. Test the spirits. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So the determining factor is, how does my spirituality 
view Jesus? Does it acknowledge him as the Son of God, uh, come in the flesh as the Savior and as the King? This is the determining factor. And actually, this is exactly what Jesus says. Look at, this past, look at these verses again, verse 29. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house, I, I read this, and, and uh, plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. And then listen to Jesus' words. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. This is an incredible statement that Jesus says that if you are not with me, if you are not following me, if you're not trusting in me, resting in me, then you are a part of the kingdom of darkness. You are a part of the kingdom of darkness. That's what Jesus says. I would never have thought to say that to you, but Jesus says that to you. And you know, I should comment, there's, there's another passage verse that sounds almost the opposite of this in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus says so in this verse he says whoever is not with me is against me but then he says to his disciples for the one who is not against us is for us so he says you know you know on the one hand he seems to be saying if they're not with me they're against me but on the other hand if they're not against me they're uh, they're for us so are these contradictions? And what Jesus is essentially saying is that as Christians, on the one hand, we should look at all the different churches that are around and, you know, they have some different beliefs and they worship differently and, you know, the church feels a little different, but we should say, well, what do they think about Jesus? If they love Jesus and they believe in Jesus, then they are brothers and sisters. We should have unity with them. And so among the church, even though there's going to be all kinds of differences, he says this is the one thing that unifies us as a church, but also... This is the one thing that marks people inside and outside of the kingdom. What do you think of the king? Have you embraced the king? Have you followed the king? Have you trusted in the king? That is the determining factor of your spirituality. This is what Paul says in Colossians 1. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the, what the whole Bible is saying is that humanity is living under this dark spiritual oppression and that Jesus is the only one who can take you out of that kingdom and bring you into his kingdom. He's the only one who can bring us into a new kingdom. Now, um, again, and many people would probably say, it sounds so exclusive, like, this is the only way, through this one guy, Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, this is the only way into a true spirituality, isn't through, through this one king? Um, why are Christians always insisting that Jesus is the only way to God? And uh, the answer to that is because that's just the way he talked. And actually, for most of us as Christians, and when we realize that we're lost and we need a Savior, and I realize there are dark spiritual forces, not just out in the world, but actually in me, and I say, I need a Savior, and I look out and I say, well, who are the options for Saviors? Actually, Jesus is the only one who's offering to save me. He's the only one who's offering to die for my sins. He's the only one who's offering to give me eternal life. He's the only one who's conquered death. Who else am I going to go to? The only other options, all other spiritualities, are about me fixing my own life, and I can't. And so the exclusivity is he's the only option, and he says he's the only option. And if we're going to deal honestly with him, we have to take him at his word, and he says, I am the king that has come from God. And if you want to be in the kingdom of God, you can only come through me. So the test of spirituality is what is... What does the Spirit make of Jesus? And if, this, if a spirituality is brushing Jesus aside, or saying that Jesus is wrong, Jesus is evil, or Jesus is just some guy who had some good ideas, this is not a spirituality from the kingdom of God. 
Okay, I know it's a hard word, but this is what the Bible teaches us. And, um, but I'll tell you what's interesting, is Jesus talks that way. He says, I'm the true king of the world. I'm the only way into the kingdom of God. Anyone who's not with me is against me, is in the kingdom of darkness. And it seems so self-centered. And yet then he says things like this. Look at verse 31 that goes right now. This is the next verse. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven people. And listen to these words. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. What king is like that? What king in the world has demanded everyone's allegiance and obedience and said, oh, and by the way, if you say anything bad against me, I'm happy to forgive you. I, I have an open offer. I'm declaring it beforehand. I will openly forgive. I'm forgiving sins. Just come. That's what my kingdom is all about, is about the forgiveness of sins. What, you know, the kings who demand allegiance from people, if you speak a word against them, they kill you. They imprison you. And Jesus says, I will forgive you. He's not defensive. He's not harsh. He's, you know, he's... He seems so secure with himself, right? He's not afraid of our words against him. And uh, there is uh, something that Jesus is like no one we've ever met. But Jesus does say, even though he says this open offer of forgiveness, that you can be forgiven, he does say that there is a spiritual state. There is a spiritual state that we can get into where we will become eternally lost, and that he gives us, there's also a stern warning, which many of you may have caught as I read this passage or, or puzzled over, that as we say that true spirituality only, is only found in the kingdom of God, and so we need to ask ourselves first, how do we view Jesus the king? Jesus also says, we need to ask ourselves, how do we view the Holy Spirit? How do we view the Holy Spirit? And you read, read those verses again, verse 31. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So now what's that talking about? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. In the context of this passage, Jesus is coming. He's just healed a man who's just had a miserable life. He's been oppressed by demons. He's, uh, what does it say, deaf and blind, blind and mute. And Jesus heals him. And it's just this beautiful act of love and God's grace into this guy's life. And then the religious leaders come and they say, what you are doing is evil. They don't just say, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to become a Christian yet. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, what you're doing is evil. There is a hardening against the Spirit of God's power, this goodness that God is unleashing into the world and is saying that that is evil. I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. And um, this is what blaspheming against the Holy Spirit is. It is a resisting and a hardness, hardening against the, the, the work of the Spirit in the world. And so what this means more broadly, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is, was, sent, is, was sent by him to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. It's the Holy Spirit that shows us that, uh, that we need a Savior, that our souls are dysfunctional, that we do have a darkness within us. There's, a, there's the Holy Spirit that leads us to repentance. And if we put up a resistance, I will not let God pry into my life and, and to see the darkness that's within me. And I'm going to hold on to that darkness. And I, I become impenetrable. 
That is a state where God says, then you're going to be lost, eternally lost. That is the one thing that will not be forgiven, will not be overlooked. And uh, C.S. Lewis has a beautiful, in the end of his book, uh, The Four Loves, in the closing uh, pages, he has one of, I think, one of his best paragraphs in any book he wrote. And I want to read it to you where he describes this state of becoming impenetrable. This is what he says. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, so if you're dark, your heart is locked up. In that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. And what he says is if we harden our hearts to the love of God, the goodness of God, where God's kingdom is coming and breaking out through Christ and through his spirit going out in the world, and we harden ourselves against that, and we say, I will not let you in. I will not let you break my heart. I will not let you challenge my heart. He says you can get hardened to a point where you will reject God into eternity. And that is an honest warning to us. True spirituality is not about being true to yourself. True spirituality is about letting the love of Christ into your life to challenge you to see the darkness, the dysfunction that's in your heart and letting Jesus come and be your Savior. And when you do that, that love comes in. You don't become selfish and destructive like so many other spiritualities do. You don't become isolated. You don't become independent. You become brimming over with the love of Christ. And, that be- and Christ is formed in you. This is what uh, true spirituality is, and this is what Christ has for us. Let's pray together. Our Lord, thank you for these challenging words. And uh, we pray that uh, 